The Oklahoma Sooners' biggest position battle going into the spring is... You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, let's talk position battles. I mean, we're less than a month away from spring ball getting going. So let's start on the offensive side of the football. In your mind, what is the biggest position battle that you're going to kind of be paying attention to or the one that's going to have the biggest impact for the Oklahoma Sooners in 2023? I think uh, probably for Oklahoma, it's really across the board offensive line though i would argue even though as walter rouse works his way back uh, from an injury probably you're not going to see a ton of a ton of him and that won't take its full development throughout the spring so maybe if you're talking just strictly spring storylines maybe it's more interior offensive line for oklahoma and i would probably say with rouse on one side and guyton on the other it feels like we've got a pretty good idea of what the offensive tackles for next season, at least to start would look like for Oklahoma. I think those would be the two guys that would, would start for OU, but just given the fact that obviously Murray's moving on and Sinner's kind of been okay the last couple of years, I don't know that Rame has really taken that thing and just run away with it. I think Anderson potentially could be in the mix. Uh, if things go incredibly well this off season, I think Bates is someone that very quickly, could uh, could take shape at center for Oklahoma. And then the the interior guard spots, the the transfer additions there, are, are they going to step right in and be difference makers? Will it be a Jake Taylor that steps up to the plate and, and wins one of those jobs? So to me, those are probably the most important position battles offensively for Oklahoma, though I think uh, a lot of people also would have their attention, John, outside. It's interesting you mentioned it because – I look at the offensive line and I feel like you could probably pick your five starters right now with Rouse, Schaefer, Rame, Mattire, and Guyton. Like those are your five any way you want to slice it. Now they'll they'll have competition and that might change a few things. But to me, it, it it's hard to imagine a scenario in which you're bringing in guys with as much experience as Walter Rouse and Caleb Schaefer have and then kind of relegating them to competition. They feel more like, hey, you're plug-and-play starters. You know, If something happens and you're not really up to the task, then we've got these other options that will work in. Uh, you know, I think the, the Sexton injury kind of opened the door a little bit more for Walter Rouse um, to, to come in and be that you know, solid floor through the transfer portal. And then you, know, you don't really know what you have inside with some of your guards. I, I think you liked what you saw in the run game, from what you had, uh, you know, Aaron Parks, you know, Savion Bird, those guys um, along the offensive line. But again, they did give up a lot of pressures to Florida State, a really good Florida State defensive front. And so I think you probably want a little bit more veteran experience there in Dylan Gabriel's kind of last year, and you want to protect him. And 
you got to give him an opportunity to throw the ball and give him time to throw the ball and, and let things develop downfield because that's where Oklahoma really wants to win is down the field. So I think it's interesting. Like it, it I think there will, will be some competition that takes place. You know, Andrew Rame, he finished the season injured. It could open the door at center for sure. But I think that is a fascinating one to watch for me. You mentioned outside. Yeah, that's wide receiver two for me. I feel really good as Jaleel Farouk at wide receiver one. I feel like Drake Stoops is your starting slot, although a guy like Gavin Freeman or an LV Bunkley Shelton might have something to say about that as well. It's on the outside, that wide receiver two outside position that I think is going to be one of the more intriguing battles. You got Andrew Anthony in the transfer portal portal from Michigan. You got your guys like Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson that you feel really good about four-star players. Josiah Wagner will show up in the summertime, offers you a speed dynamic that you don't have on the team. Uh, you're losing that with Marvin Mims going to the NFL. So to me, that's, I won't say maybe it's as impactful as what happens up front along the offensive line, because if you can't block anybody, you can't do anything. You can't throw the ball down the field. It doesn't matter. Uh, so I think that is probably the more impactful one, but the one I'm most intrigued by is what happens at wide receiver because you've got so many guys. What are they going to value with a new wide receivers coach and Emmett Jones, you know, Jeff Levy, this is kind of the first like big position battle that we've seen. You know, Jeff Levy came into it this you know, last off season. He had a bona fide number one in Marvin Mims. He had a really nice floor in Theo Weiss and a guy that was ascending in Jaleel Farouk. And then you had Drake Stoops as well. So he had a little bit more solidified wide receiver core to work with. We're going to start to kind of see, okay, what is it that Jeff Levy values on the outside? And what is Emmett Jones value on the outside? I think that's going to be really intriguing to watch. Well, and if it's not how the interior of that offensive line plays out, then it's got to be the skill guys for Oklahoma and talking specifically wide receivers for Oklahoma, not, not in the backfield though. That's kind of a, that's going to be interesting to watch develop too, right? Who, who really takes a thing? I mean, probably most would say because of how last season played out, Javante Barnes would have the leg up there. But I told you the other day that uh, Gavin Sanchuk to me is definitely a name that I'm watching. And I think has the game break ability to kind of take that thing over before it's all said and done. But Look, if again, if it's not offensive line, it's wide receiver for Oklahoma because you are replacing Mims, as uh, will be discussed ad nauseum. That's so much production that you're replacing there. It's your clear best receiver for the last several seasons. Jaleel Farouk, we like what we've seen, but uh, this is obviously a step into the big spotlight where now, now you get to host Locked On Sooners. You might have made a guest appearance or two, but now it's your show. And how will you handle this being your show? How will you handle being the alpha? You would think, you would think that Jaleel Farouk will, will really embrace that. So you think you got a number one in Jaleel, but we don't really know that just yet, right? I think we're confident of that, but we don't we don't know that yet. And then beyond that, you get into all the other questions of, you know, will finally that light bulb fully click on for both Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson. Okay, then uh, same song and dance. Let's take another trip around the carousel with uh, do one of these couple of freshmen, whether it's Jaquay's Petaway, whether it's Keon Brown, can they step in and be immediate difference makers? And then, you know, you're revisiting the transfer portal additions that you had at wide receiver this time a year ago, and you're bringing one in and Andrew Anthony that I'm really high on. But oh, by the way, John, 
doesn't really have a ton of production throughout his collegiate career. So it, it, it's an easy argument to make. You, you could uh, you could turn around and say to me, Josh, it's wide receiver hands down, and there's really no discussion for it. And really that might be all you got to say because it's, it's definitely there's a lot of question marks in the receiving core for Oklahoma beyond, again, Jalil Farouk, who we've seen produce but not at a number one level, and then what we've seen, you know, historically with Drake Stoops. Yeah, and to your point, it is Jaquez Petaway and not Josiah Wagner, as I tried to, uh, you know, allude earlier. So my apologies there. Um, so many wide receivers; it's easier to get easy to get them mixed up with cornerbacks. Like, apparently, here on Locked On Sooners, I, I just think Jalil Farouk's got that dog in him. You know, he he wasn't seeing a ton of targets, especially in the Texas game. I mean, that game there was like no offense and no passing game really to speak of. But he took every carry that he got. And he ran with purpose and he ran like he was a running back. And I, and I think that was the, the kind of the turning point for him. And for really, for me, as I watched him, like, okay, this is a dude that's going to begin to assert himself as a serious playmaker in this offense. And it really started to kind of play out that way. Um, just the way he ran against Texas. Uh, I, I thought it was really, it was good to see somebody like initiate contact as a wide receiver versus you're just kind of always the guy getting hit. Jaleel Farouk was looking to run, run through some people. And that's, that's not often what you see um, outside. So I'm really, really intrigued by that. And then to your point about the running back position, if Javante Barnes is the starter and he's kind of your 15 to 20 carry a guy or carry a game guy, well, Gavin Sachuk is still going to get a lot of work. I mean, you look back at the, the numbers from 2022, uh, Eric Gray, he had 246 total touches. That's handoffs and receptions. Javante Barnes had 121. That, you know, 116 carries, five receptions. And so there's going to be work for whoever the RB2 is on this team. We've seen it under DeMarco Murray now for several years, whether it was Ramondre Stevenson and and Kennedy Brooks, Kennedy Brooks, Eric Gray. Like there is going to be work for everybody that's ready to go. And I, man, I'm with you. I'm on board the Gavin Sawchuck train. I think there's going to be a, there are going to be some packages for Gavin Sawchuck that are going to look to utilize his speed and get him on the outside. All those swing passes that I hate, you're going to get him to Gavin Sawchuk, and he's going to be able to break something with those. Whereas Eric Gray, he's a he's an elusive running back, but he's not a burner at running back. Like He's not running away from guys. Gavin Sawchuk's going to legit run away from dudes when he gets on the field. And so Jeff Levy, I can already tell, he's in the lab just creating things for Gavin Sawchuk. And then coming up, we're going to talk on the defensive side of the football. What are the biggest position battles that we're looking forward to watching and, and seeing how they play out this spring? And then we got to talk about this UCLA still getting a vote after getting absolutely thrashed by Oklahoma. We'll do that in the third segment of Locked On Sooners. But first, let Josh talk to you all about FanDuel. Ah, uh, FanDuel. We are here past the midway point of the NBA season. And right now, the perfect time to download the FanDuel app. It's America's number one sports book. Because why? Well, new customers, you get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's going to be tough to beat. No sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app Today, it's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything out there from money line to point scores, threes drained, all those fun little NBA prop bets. Uh, plus, FanDuel, they even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So, again, 
Folks, don't miss out on your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on. That's FanDuel.com backslash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I know we're shifting to defense. One more quick thought, if I may, on Jaleel Farouk. So when I'm sitting here and painting this, I don't want to say gloomy picture, but just trying to be a realistic picture about this is someone that hasn't really yet been a number one wide receiver. One thing that does give me optimism, John, is I go all the way back to the Valero Alamo Bowl, and I know it was an Oregon defense that had, okay, a missing part or two, right? But uh, in that game, when called upon for the first time, seriously called upon, what happens? Well, Jaleel Farouk's your leading receiver. He has three grabs. I know that's not a ton uh, in terms of the reception department, but oh, by the way, he's again right there leading you in receiving. Florida State called upon in in a big manner, comes up with uh, one of his higher reception totals of four. So, you know, again, now going forward, that four is going to have to become eight, 10, 12 on occasion. But I do like the fact, John, that we're talking about somebody that kind of when he's been called upon in the past to take more of a leading role, he's answered said bell. So I think that's a, you know, not to be glass half empty here. Let's, let's share some glass half full as well. Okay. Defensively. Do you have a couple of, well, I guess I'll, we'll, we'll try and nail it down to one, huh? What position battle are you most watching here in the spring and beyond what's most important on the defensive side of the football? For me, I'm going at I'm looking at cornerback. I, I like we got Woody Washington at one spot. I want to see him improve. I felt like he didn't really have the best year this past year. Of course, nobody really on defense had great years. So I want to see him have a bounce back year. But on the other side of the field, we got to do better. And and again, this is not to any fault of Jaden Davis, but I just feel like he's limited a little bit on the outside. The coaching staff likes him, but I, I haven't felt like he is taking his game to another level that he's improved during his time in Norman. And that's probably, you know, very short sighted. That's very narrow focused, but I'm really curious to see what they've gotten Gentry Williams and Kendall Dolby. I mean, two guys that they're obviously very, very high on two guys, you know, Gentry Williams got a few snaps early in the season. I think he's a player that can make plays uh, similar to like a CJ Colton, you know, somebody who's going to make plays on the football, not just, you know, cover guys and not give up big plays or not just, you know, be able to, you know, cover what's in front of them sort of a thing. I like the athleticism that Gentry Williams has. Kendall Dolby, obviously haven't seen as much of what's up, cat. Welcome to locked on Sooners. Um, and I think that they will have a really, really good option. Whoever wins that position battle on the cornerback two spot. Um, and then just, figuring out who kind of slides in to the nickel cornerback spot. When you do go nickel, when you do have to roll five wide or five cornerbacks out there or five defensive backs out there, excuse me. Um, that'll be the other intriguing aspect of that too. Does Kendall Dolby, does he slide inside? Does he play some nickel for you? Uh, is it one of these young guys? Can a guy like Makari Vickers end up emerging as uh, a potential option to take a significant amount of snaps or even start? on the outside opposite Woody Washington. So to me, that's, that's kind of one of the more intriguing position battles for me. Everything defensively is so fascinating because again, last season was so frustrating for Oklahoma. I, I do feel like we've got a good pulse on 
what linebacker is going to look like for Oklahoma? I mean, don't we sort of collectively think that barring a little bit of a surprise, it will be in whichever way, shape, or form, Deshaun McCullough, Jaron Kanick, and Danny Stutzman. I mean, so then beyond that, those kind of like filling in behind those guys on the depth chart, that portion of the, the conversation I think is going to be really interesting. But I feel pretty today, this uh, the first day of March in 2023, I feel pretty confident that those guys – linebacker that's kind of how that's shaken up at the top of the board by the time we we get ready to boot this thing off so for me you talk defensive backs uh, again um safety opposite billy bowman honestly you feel like you got a pretty good idea on because pearson brings uh starting experience to oklahoma so it's easy to see him sort of slot right in there so where does that take me john that takes me if not at corner as you discussed it takes me up front along the the defensive line for Oklahoma. And uh, as we discussed yesterday, we both are very, very high on Isaiah Coe. I think uh, the the other defensive tackle beyond Isaiah Coe is kind of interesting to try to figure out for Oklahoma, but more so even than defensive tackle, you've brought in so many edge rush type guys, okay? I mean, you really hit the portal hard in that regard, which tells me Brent Venables, Miguel Chavis, defensively Oklahoma felt like they needed help and they needed help right away in that department. So that all of that, how that unfolds downs grimes, do they, one of the two, do they even hang on here? Ford Bothroyd in Atabare, you know, Ford and Bothroyd obviously bring the collegiate playing experience and high power five experience. So they're, they're easy candidates to see slot in, but then, you know, these signing class members, is there one of those guys are Mason Thomas? I mean, how is he going to fit? I, he's like, for some reason, he shouldn't be. He got, you know, a ton of snaps as a freshman. But for some reason, I don't think of that name a lot when I'm thinking of those guys. But just how all of that unfolds itself, unravels itself, is to me one of the biggest mysteries for Oklahoma right now. I don't think any of us have – we, we can sort of formulate a guess as to who we think might be in, in front in uh, – you know, the two edge rush positions for Oklahoma. But, you know, I mean, just throwing a dart and trying to get it to stick at this point. I mean, there's so many options for Oklahoma. So how that unfolds throughout the spring, I think, to me, defensively, is what I'm most intrigued by. I don't know that – I don't know that it's most important, John, just in terms of overall defensive success for Oklahoma, I, I think it's an easy thing to point to cornerback or just those linebackers and say, okay, well, if those guys aren't good, then this whole thing unravels. And maybe you've got just enough good, if not great up front to at least get, you know, solid production there. But just in terms of sheer mystery, what's going to happen? I, I you know, again, on the defensive end spots, I'm very, very curious. It all works in concert, right? You know, pass rush coverage, it all works together. If you don't have good coverage, it doesn't matter how good your pass rush is because quarterbacks can get it out in two and a half seconds or less. If you don't have a good pass rush, it doesn't matter how good your coverage is because if they can't get any pressure on the quarterback, he can sit back there three, four seconds, and eventually the coverage is going to break down. They can't cover forever. So it has to all work in concert. But I'm with you. Like I think defensive end is really intriguing, and it is curious to see how it's all going to fit together because they do have a lot of guys. I mean, Reggie Grimes, Marcus Stripling, Ethan Downs, those are kind of the names that are returning. And then you brought in Trace Ford, Ronald Bothroyd, uh, Adepoja Adabare, Deshaun McCullough could figure in um, at 
you know, some of the edge work at times, especially in pass rush situations. But I mean, based on the way that Ethan Downs finished the season, based on Rondo Bothroyd coming in, those are kind of the two that if I was making a an educated guess as to who might start at defensive end, those are kind of the two names that I'm I'm kind of picking right there. Um, that's not to say that a guy like Reggie Grimes or Stripling or you know R. Mason Thomas couldn't emerge as a every down starter, but I think for what Oklahoma wants to do defensively, be able to play three man alignments, four man alignments. They want versatile defensive ends that are stout against the run and offer some pass rush juice as well. Those are kind of the two names that, that I think about, but I mean, our Mason Thomas, I mean, that's the guy that I'm like planting my flagpole um, on, you know, our Mason Thomas Island right now and saying, I, I really do think he's going to have a huge year um, now that he's kind of gotten the freshman jitters out of the way and, you know, made those mistakes and credit to the coaching staff for getting him on the field um, when they weren't getting a lot of the freshmen on the field, they got him on. And I mean, he, he made an impact. I mean, the pressure was evident. The speed was evident. His ability to get off the line of scrimmage was evident. And I think it's going to go to another level this next year. Uh, Josh, any other thoughts on the defense before we kind of shift gears here? I just can't wait until this gets underway and we have some, I don't know if we can say tangible evidence to discuss, but there's, you know, kind of some tea leaves that come out during the spring. Remember, remember last year, just the, conversation surrounding Jaron Canick physically how he arrived at Oklahoma and I would say to date that that has held up pretty honestly that look Jaron Canick from day one was able to step in and be some way shape or form though though minor this past season and there's many Oklahoma fans that would say I wish it was a little more major of an impact for Jaron Canick that was kind of again, obvious throughout the spring that he was going to be somebody that would be would be in the mix. So I'm just curious to see all of this begin to, to start really unfold as, again, we get spring underway. We've we've gotten our nice little new, newcomer session. Welcome to the family moment with Brent Venables and everybody over at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. But now it's time to start talking about some football practice. Who are these? We're talking about practice, John. I want to know who's standing out. Yeah, and we'll we'll find out soon enough, and we'll start kind of hearing the buzz and getting some reports on on the guys that really are making making hay and and looking good out there in the spring. Uh, but again, that's going to have to translate to the fall and, and how that looks on the field when they go up against, and not just their non conference competition, but their Big Twelve competition because they were great in non conference last year, and then things kind of fell apart uh, against their Big Twelve uh, foes. But speaking of foes, uh, the Oklahoma Sooners again they thrashed. UCLA 14, nothing fantastic start from Alex Taraka, who went five innings, five strikeouts, just three hits. You got two home runs from Kinsey Hansen. Jada Coleman hit a home run. Tiara Jennings hit a home run. Haley Lee hit a home run. Alyssa Brito hit a home run. Uh, just a fantastic performance. Oklahoma moves back up into the number one slot in the D one softball rankings. And also the USA today sports and FCA coaches poll. But Josh, in the coaches poll, UCLA, UCLA still got a vote. Now, what what do you make of all that? Well, what I make of it is we need to unearth which coach it is, and we got to get to the bottom of what was the purpose of this first place vote. Is it almost to poke fun at UCLA for getting housed the way that they got housed by Oklahoma, or is this an 
honest vote for UCLA at number one, because if it's an honest vote for UCLA at number one, I'll steal a page out of my man Gary Parrish's book and just say, here's your poll attacks for you. You don't deserve a vote anymore. I know that you're a coach, but your vote should be taken away, thrown away, and never given back to you. It is so unbelievable that Oklahoma can win that game 14 to nothing over UCLA, and then you turn around and, and vote them number one. So you either have just bitterness or a vendetta against Oklahoma, or you're just trying to poke fun at UCLA, or you didn't watch the game. You have no clue what happened. And so you're still voting UCLA number one. And none of these, none of these are acceptable reasons to vote UCLA number one. Therefore, I am publicly, publicly campaigning. Please, we need to remove said voter. Yeah, I, I think that person went to sleep, uh, you know, or stayed up too late Saturday night, slept through the, the game, didn't realize what happened, just filled out their ballot real quick before the deadline and, and got it into them. And, and I mean, come on, somebody on the committee had to look at him and be like, hey, you sure? Like, you sure about this? You, do you know what happened, right? And like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know it, it was fine. Yeah, go with it, go with it. Or they pre-filled it out before the game, expecting it to be a close battle, turned it in, and they're like, oh, Oh, oh crap. And they can't get it back now. Uh, but who knows, man? It, it, I think the thing that's really interesting is to see the number of people, not just Oklahoma fans, kind of come out and be like, what kind of sense does this make to have UCLA, UCLA still garner a number one vote? I mean, if you want to have them too, fine. But I mean, after getting whooped 14 nothing, they don't deserve any number one votes. I Maybe mean, it's a. Maybe it's a friend of Patty Gasso just trying to create just that little bit extra motivation because I can't see, I can't see any coach that wait. So they hit, they hit a couple of home runs. Like what, what one, two, six, six home runs. Oh man. Versus UCLA. Yeah. Ah, just put UCLA one. Yeah. Four and six at bats. I mean, that, that, that couldn't have happened. That's not possible. Oh, and they got shut out also. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 that can't happen. So anyway, that I just thought that was an interesting little nugget for us to close on because uh, polls are fun. They're also a little bit irritating sometimes because it seems like the coaches, uh, the AP voters sometimes don't take it all very seriously and they just kind of fill out a ballot and throw it in there. But I mean, a lot of this stuff does matter. You know, you look at coaching resumes and not that Patty Gasso needs this extra vote to bolster her resume at all, but a team that maybe has never been in the poll or has struggled to be a part of the poll is playing well and can't get into the poll for some reason. Cause maybe a coach doesn't take their vote seriously or an AP member doesn't take their vote seriously. Uh, you know, I look at a team like Northwestern, they're six and six and still a top 25 team or, you know, a team that has just like one loss and they made no movement in the poll at all. Um, just, yeah, just interesting to watch. And again, polls ultimately they don't matter what matters is who's standing on top at the end of the day. But I mean, those, those resume things do matter in that, like, Hey, this team was in the top 25, this many weeks in a row. It helps you with recruiting. Like if you can, you know, share that with your recruits, your prospects, whether it's football, basketball, softball, baseball, it doesn't matter. It, it's kind of a recruiting tool. Like, Hey, we've been in the AP top 25 or the USA today coaches poll this many weeks in a row or this many years in a row. We've, we've never dropped out of it that matters it's it's all part of the uh getting noticed aspect of college sports and what if you as a player have high aspirations whether it's 
in the NFL or in broadcasting, you kind of want to be noticed. That's how you're going to get yourself out there. And being in the top 25 gets you better games, gets you better broadcast opportunities, gets you better visibility. So, well, and from Oklahoma standpoint, and look, before anybody comments this in the YouTube section or tweets or I don't know, calls the radio station or anything, sends us look, a carrier pigeon. Yeah, please. We don't need that. Before any of those items happen, I get it. It's full on media dork gripe. Like I'm completely aware. Okay. It's just, you save the complaint. I understand it, but there is an element for Oklahoma that it's, you know, another week is a unanimous number one that you, you took away from Oklahoma when honestly, I mean, come on, they should be a unanimous number one. But again, I rest my media dork case. I understand it's not altogether important. They are still number one, just not unanimous. But I mean, just, just take it seriously. Just be serious about it. Like if you, if you take your vote seriously and it matters to you, then there's no way you can log a vote for UCLA after what happened. It would be like Alabama and Georgia playing the number one and number two teams in the country and Georgia beating Alabama by 50 and Alabama still getting a number one vote. Like nobody would be okay with that. And everybody would have a problem with that in the college football world. They'd all scoff and laugh at it. And so just be serious about it. Like if you're going to vote, take it seriously. And if you, as the pollsters are going to take it seriously, maybe check with that person. Be like, Hey, you, do you sure about that? Like you really want to do that? And then, Hey, do like some, you know, some other you know sites do and release how they vote. And then we can know and hold people accountable. That's what this social media age is for. Hold people. No, don't do that. Don't worry about that. But uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning into the show and subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Go subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>